don't know me, my name's Adam Narciso. I've been a friend of Kingdom Life Church since its beginning. And in fact, uh, prior to that, our first trip out here was in 2009, ministering on the campus of Taylor University for uh, uh, the what was then Living Waters Ministry. I'm, I'll come back each year to serve at Kingdom Life Church and just love this family, believe so much in the leadership and uh, the DNA that's a part of the church family here. And so um, I, I really am excited about today. I have a passion for training and for equipping the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. And so today, on this topic of hearing God's voice, it's one of these like passions of mine is to teach on this topic, and I'm excited to jump in. What I'll say is greetings on behalf of my wife, Jenny, who's at home right now with our four children. We have two little girls, two little boys in that order, eight, six, four, and 15 months. And my wife just posted a video on Instagram of them at the zoo. My wife is a boss, man. She can hold it down with four kids when I'm gone. And she posted a video of them at the zoo to see the new walrus at the Tacoma Point Defiant Zoo. And he was saying, walrus? And that just warmed my heart. So I always, I live off of those pictures and videos whenever I'm away. So greetings on behalf of our wife, my wife, my, our wife. Um, <laughs> we're that kind of church, you know. And so, you know, you're like, what did I get in myself into today, this Hearing God seminar? Wow, it's a doozy. Um, my wife uh, and our, right now we have about 25, 26 roommates at the Catalyst Mansion there in Tacoma, living in intentional mission community in the heart of our city in an old 10,000 square foot mansion, just going after Jesus, trying to see him do something special in the 253. That's our area code. And so greetings on behalf of our ministry, our church, City Central. Um, and, and I would just last week and had the opportunity to do an, a Hearing God seminar on the campus of Michigan State University. And um, excited to be here. A few weeks from now, we'll do a seminar in, with a Vineyard Christian Fellowship in Dublin, Ireland. And then the week after that, we'll be in Romania. And so go from Western to Eastern Europe, carrying the message of the gospel. And so that's, that's and so I'm excited here, being in middle Indiana this week. How, how cool is that? And so, of course, excited to be with you guys at service tomorrow night here as well. So we're going to jump right in. Foundations for Hearing God. Now, what I'll say is this. If you came to this seminar just to receive a word from God through someone else, you came to the wrong seminar. Because the seminar is designed to get you activated and get, provide an on-ramp for you to grow in the Christian grace of hearing the voice of God. And I'm convinced that there are foundational things that we can rally around today, truths and principles, techniques, if you will, that we can rally around today that can better equip even this most seasoned person in the room to exercise and grow in their Christian grace to hear the voice of God. Likewise, if you're a rookie in, in the room this afternoon, you feel like you've never touched the subject, you feel like you're disqualified from the, from the topic, or you're not one of the superstar Christians who really hear God's voice, I'm telling you that the, 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 the principles and the tools that will hopefully you'll receive today will equip you and position your life to become a target for God's voice and, and revelation. Um, now, today's not uh, designed to convince anyone that God speaks today. Uh, we're a church that, a Kingdom Life Church, that already believes that. We've settled this, the, the topic. We're a church that starts with the, the understanding that God speaks today. Therefore, we need, we need to learn how to orient our lives to hear His voice and receive His, receive his revelation. Um, I grew up, excuse me, I was saved because God visited my mom through a dream in the middle of the night, what I would call a prophetic dream. Some of you guys know my story. My mom approached me one morning in my room uh, on my homecoming football game as a young man. She said, uh, Mijo, are you sure you want to play in the game tonight? She said, I had a dream that if you play, something bad will happen to you. I wasn't in the kingdom. I didn't know Jesus at the time, full of rebellion, full of anger. I said, Mom, you're crazy. Keep your dreams to yourself. I'm playing in this game. She left the room. She picked up the phone, called her friends from church. I didn't know this. And she asked them, would you pray with me that tonight my son would live and not die? God came to her in a dream and said, you need to pray this evening that he would live and not die. So he gave her the prayer, the strategic 
warfare intercessory prayer to pray on my behalf. In the third quarter of the game, I collapsed on the field when I was sending in a play. Begin vomiting, begin having seizures. And the last thing I remember were hearing sirens, and I blacked out. My mom um, was at that game. She fell to her knees on the field, drugged some other parents with her. didn't matter if they were Christian or not. She's like, when you have a Latina mama, and she says, you're going to pray with me right now? Didn't matter who was there. They're like, yeah, I'll pray, I'll pray, you know. They could have been atheists, but they were speaking in tongues in that moment. <laughs> and I was rushed to the hospital where I underwent three and a half hours of emergency brain surgery because of a blood clot on my brain. Should have died on the football field just like the young man did the following year with the same injury in my hometown. But, but the Holy Spirit had whispered something to my mom in the middle of the night. And he gave her strategic strategic. Um, uh, prayer to make war in the heavens. And I'm convinced that it was my mother's prayers uh, that, that, that kept me alive. God used those. I mean, he, uh, <clears throat> I would say though, it, it, I'm here today because God spoke to my mom. So I'm, I'm a man of the spirit, but I would also say I'm a man of the word. You know, for the next two weeks after I was dismissed from the hospital, my mom would come to me, open the Bible, sit down in my bed and read to me the, the word of God out loud. And I don't remember what chapter or verse she ever read. I didn't know the gospel at that time. But what I did know is my mom, who was a new believer, as she read the Bible to me out loud, the presence of Jesus would fill that room. It was like Jesus walked in the room to reveal his love and his desire for me. And I began to weep in his presence. Every day for two weeks, this was the witness of Jesus to me in his word as I laid on my recovery bed in my living room uh, post-hospital post time. Uh, I'm a man of the word. <laughs> I got acquainted with the power and the authority that comes from God's inspired word. How many of you know today we don't have to choose between one extreme of the word or one extreme of the Holy Spirit, but we can be a people who are in pursuit of the radical middle. Today, I want to invite you in a journey with me into taking another step into the pursuit of the radical middle of the word and spirit divide. That's where all the power is. It's possible to be fully committed to the teaching and, and right doctrines of the word of God and be fully committed to an experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're here for today. Amen? All right, we might not be an amen people here, but when a brown dude with a microphone says amen, everyone else is like amen, amen, amen. That's what, that's what we're here to do. Foundations for hearing God. Here's what I want to say. I believe this. Oh. I believe this, when we grow in the grace to hear God's voice, to, to hear the voice of God is to operate with a supernatural advantage. God wants to give you a supernatural advantage as he, as he equips you to hear and receive revelation from him, even today. Uh, think about Jesus. Jesus built his entire ministry around hearing the word of the Father. He said, I can't do anything on my own strength in John five nineteen. I only do what I see the Father doing. Uh, he built his whole ministry on this, uh, this, this scene of what the Father was doing and then joining in with him. And so Jesus in his ministry, he had this supernatural advantage. He had a supernatural advantage to evangelize. In John 4, do you remember that? You don't, woman at the well, have one husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now, you're not even married to. He gave her one word of knowledge. Offers her living water. She runs into the town. The whole town comes out to meet Jesus. And he stays there in a Samaritan village for two days. One word of knowledge from the Father. And it opens up a whole town and village to hear the gospel for two days from Jesus himself. Talk about a supernatural advantage. How about in discipleship? The disciples are walking along the road. What are they arguing about? Classically, always arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Jesus gets knowing the reasoning of their hearts. He's inside the house. He's not on the road with them. They walk into the house. You know, all, they look all church. Oh, they're arguing outside, but as soon as they get into the church with Jesus, oh, hey, brother, how you doing? Hallelujah, you know. And there, there Jesus is, and he sets a child in the midst. He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone wants to be the greatest, he must first become like this child. And he gives them this profound discipleship lesson because he heard from the Father. See, God wants to give disciples today supernatural advantage, keys to the kingdom of heaven, evangelism, discipleship, our prayers like he gave my mother. Um, 
escaping the snare of the enemy, like when the Pharisees constantly after Jesus and he gives them one word of wisdom. And the, the Bible says that this, they could, say, they could say nothing to him except marvel at his wisdom. And God wants to give you today supernatural advantage as you grow in the grace to hear his voice. I'm a foundations guy. So I like to ask this question. What is the basis on which we hear the voice of God? What's the basis on which we hear the voice of God? I believe foundations are important. And if we build on good foundations, we can build strong structures of our life in pursuit of, of hearing his voice. Three things tonight, today. Number one, we hear God vo uh, God's voice on the basis of his eternal nature. Number two, we hear God's voice on the basis of our relationship to him. And then number three, we hear God's voice on the basis of our gifting. Now, everyone often operates with a, we all often operate with a broken understanding of hearing the voice of God. When that topic comes up, we automatically assume it's an issue of giftedness. It's an issue of spiritual gifts. And those of us who've not experienced a dramatic release of the spiritual gifts in our life, like prophecy and knowledge and wisdom and things like this, we, we, might, we tend to dismiss ourselves from the grace to hear God's voice because we approach the topic on the basis of our gifting. But I've got good news for you. To hear the voice of God has more to do with his nature than it does your gifting. God's nature is eternal and it's unchanging. He says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was. I mean, this creator God, the, the one who alone possesses all the genius of, uh, th that can be possessed, when he chose to exercise his will in creation, he chose it to do it. He chose to do it through the, 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 the mechanism of the spoken word. If that doesn't shout something about God's eternal social nature, I don't know what does. Let there be light. He didn't snap his fingers or clap his hands or blink one eye. He spoke the word. God is a speaking God. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Throughout history, biblical history, we see him speaking time and again. In fact, he got so creative that he decided to set a bush on fire and communicate from that. <laughs> well, this is God. If that doesn't shout that God is social, I don't know what does. Him sending prophets throughout the ages again and again and again who come equipped with visions and dreams and words communicating his heart to a wayward people. He's a social God constantly in pursuit. He's so creative, he decided to hijack the voice of a donkey in the Old Testament. He hijacks the voice of a donkey just, just to speak to a, 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 a wicked man who is about to curse his people. How awesome is our God? He's a, he's a social God. Jesus comes on the scene, and the Bible says of him um, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld him, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the word. Jesus comes showing off the character and nature of God, and he called, the Bible calls himself the word. Friend, I've got good news for you. God is a social God, and to hear his voice has more to do with his eternal unchanging nature than it does with your gifting, your sinlessness, your holiness, your sanctification, even your maturity in the kingdom. If God can speak to a wicked man through the vocal cords of a donkey, how much more can he speak to a child that he loves to whom he's committed his Holy Spirit? We hear God on the basis of his eternal, unchanging nature. Secondly, we hear God on the basis of our relationship to him. Jesus said this, my sheep, hear my voice in John 10, 27. They know me, they follow me. I give them eternal life. No one can snatch them from my hand. Aren't you glad that you're a sheep of God today? You know, when I go into Korea, I go into China, I go into different nations, I ask them, what does a sheep say? And they all kind of look at me like, bah, you know? 
And I'm like, that's right. Sheeps talk the same way all over the earth. You know, that has no profound spiritual lesson. I just noted that as I've traveled and asked that same question. I won't ask that of you because I already know what they sound like. You know, what I will say is this, is that we hear God on the basis of our relationship to him. This means the more time you spend with him, the, 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 as you cultivate grace to hear his voice, you can, you can grow in, in increased ability to hear the voice of God. My 15-month-old, his name is Leo. He can't speak in full sentences, but he knows everyone's name, all 26 names in our home. He knows them all. That's awesome, because boys are usually pretty dumb when they're kids, when they're babies. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Have you ever seen a boy? You, you always know if, if it's a boy or a girl, when, because when they're two years old, if they're talking, generally it's a girl. You know, boys are just kind of like, oh, 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 oh. You know, they're, they're dumb. They're dumb. They're <laughs> my, my boy happens to be socially advanced, you know? I'm not proud of it. I'm just like, dang, I mean, he's, he knocks out of the park. He knows everyone's name in the whole house. Here, here's, he, he can be sitting on his high chair in the dining room, and he hears someone speaking in the foyer or in the living room, and he hears their voice, and he'll go, Adrian? Or he hears Shane Rowley's voice, and he'll go, Shane? And then he'll go, baby, because Shane has a baby. Baby? Baby? He can hear slippers coming down the stairs, and he can tell if it's his mama's slippers. Mama? You know, he knows the sound of his mom. You know, you're made. You are made. You are built in. You have built-in faculty to hear the voice of your father. Did you know that? There's built-in internal wiring to hear the voice of God. Romans 8 says this, We've not received a spirit of slavery unto fear again, but we've received the spirit of sonship by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And then verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And then it says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. Did you know that right now inside of you, there is a heavenly conversation taking place? The Spirit of Almighty God has inhabited you, and He's saying something to you. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children. He's saying, you're a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a favored one. He's rehearsing the same words that the Father rehearsed over Jesus at His baptism. This is my son, my daughter, with whom I'm well pleased. There's a holy conversation going. He's not just talking to you. You're talking back to him right now. You might be looking at me, but inwardly, your spirit, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children, by whom we cry out, Habba, Father, Daddy God. There's a holy conversation going on in you right now. There's built-in wiring in you to hear the voice of God. Smile, it's a good day. God's on the throne. There's not a bad day in the kingdom because you're indwelt by him and there's a holy conversation, social interaction that's happening all over this room. Number three, we hear God on the basis of our gifting. Now, it stand, it, it, while there are spiritual gifts today, and all of them, we believe, are for today, you know, it stands to reason that there are those who have unique callings in the body of Christ that are designed to get extra sauce special revelation. And it's because of their gifting, their calling, their ministry gift to the greater body of Christ. I've met some of these talents, these, these amazing people. I've spent time with them in different parts of the world. You know, I'll never forget one of my buddies who I first brought to Tacoma back in 2000. Eight, to share with our Revival University program, our summer missions training school, which now is now Catalyst Training School. And my friend Kim brought him from Texas, and, and he didn't know anyone. He says, uh, he says, don't give me any names. Don't give me your church website. He's like, I just want to listen to the Lord. I said, okay. He had never been to our church. He called me up a couple weeks later. He says, hey, I'm getting some names here. Um, either these are right or they're wrong. He says, is there a Pastor Chris there? And I'm like, uh, yep. Uh, be Chris Hippie. He says, what about Evan and Ember Thomas? And one of the, they were married, I think, in this month, and one of them has a birthday on this day. I said, uh, I'm going to have to check that, but that's their name, you know. 
What about Josh and Kelly? And they were married in October, and then they, one of them was born in November. They were married on October 8th. I said, yeah, that's exactly right. He continued down the list, name after name after name, birth dates and marriages, and I was just like, ah, I'm picking my job off the ground, you know? And he, he, I sat him in our sanctuary, and at the time we had a really large sanctuary. One of our elders was walking down the center aisle. His name's Darren, Darren Miller. We call him Big D. He looks like Mr. Mr. Clean, you know? He's a national training director for Youth for Christ mission, you know? He's walking down the center aisle. Kim's off to the side of the room. Kim goes, oh, there's Big D over there. And I'm like, well, how, how did you know his name? He says, well, um, I'm from Dallas. We call Dallas the Big D, and the Lord reminded me of Dallas. I assumed his name is Big D. And I said, and he goes, is his wife named Sue? I said, yes. How, how did you get that? He said, well, I just heard the old song, Hey Sue. <laughs> Not Hey Sue's. Hey, Sue, you know. <laughs> but by the looks of this crowd, no one, no one thought I, heard, I said, hey, Seuss, right? No one, no one, no one. He, <laughs> See, there are people in the body of Christ who are gifted with extra special sauce for their calling. <laughs> the Bible says this, you know, um, in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, what I'll say is this, is the Bible says, Pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So while God has gifted each person in the body of Christ with a, their own set of gifts, and he's eager to release more to you. That's why there's this invitation in Scripture. Pursue the gifts. Pursue love. Burn with fire and zeal for gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Why? Because when you can prophesy, you can speak for the purpose of building someone else up. That is to hear the voice of God and to share what he's saying to someone else for their benefit. We're going to practice that even this evening. We're going to have a time of ministry this evening where we're going to open it up to minister one to another. And it's, I'm believing for a God dump, you know, a, a, a God dump, a God just glory dump here. Of <laughs> That's a poor choice of words, isn't it? <laughs> wash us Lord wash us wash us Jesus we're believing for something special this evening to build up to edify a download download of heaven amen that's what we're going to do this evening so each of our session, here now, we're already in the midst of this one at 1. We'll do another one at 3, break for dinner, come back at 6.30. We're walking through these three steps of revelation, interpretation, application. This the process of revelation, receiving revelation from God. Um, revelation answers the question, what, what did I receive? What did I receive? What did God say or show me or, or give to me? It's the easiest question. This is the one you can't mess up. Step number two, though, is where you need a little extra skill sets, and that's what our next session will be about, the process of interpreting revelation from God. God is a God of symbolism. We see it all throughout the scriptures. And you need to develop the skill set of interpreting the things he speaks to you and shows you. And then step number three, the step of application, is, um, is, uh, answers the question, not, what, what, now that I know what God has said and what he's me meant by it, how, what do I do now? And tonight, we'll even practice that through, through the spoken word of ministering prophecy one to another. And that's how we'll practice the area of application today. But the ways we receive revelation from God, I'm convinced that in this room and all over the body of Christ, there are at least four categories that represent the, the four ways that the body of Christ, we receive revelation from God. And what I hope that you'll find yourself in at least one of these categories. Many of you, you'll find yourself in two. Some of you, you'll find yourself in three and even four. In my own life, I've asked God for the full gamut, and I've experienced um, every aspect of receiving revelation. Or re re I've experienced receiving revelation from God in each category. And let me share them now. What I'll say is this. Number one is there are those in this room who, who are wired to, to, to be audio you hear. You're made to hear the voice of God. You're oriented in an audio fashion. When God speaks to you, it's more auditorial than it is visual. <clears throat> we hear the voice of God. Some people are hearers. You receive inner whispers of the Lord through words, phrases, scriptures. There's some here 
you may not understand this yet, but God may speak to you through song. Like he speaks to my friend Kim, hey Sue, you know. And what you'll find is as you journey in the grace to hear God's voice is that some of those distractions that you need to get, snap out of, may very well be God capturing your your imagination in a holy way and whispering his glorious voice to you. Young Samuel in 1 Samuel, um, uh, he's what, what, six years old? I don't know, less than 10 years old. He's living with a wicked priesthood at temple in Jerusalem. The priesthood is so far gone that Samuel is sleeping in the holy place. That's kind of a big deal, right? As we know the Bible, like don't go in there. He's sleeping in the holy place, and he, as he lays his head down to rest, following this wicked priesthood, this young man who is born of a miracle, he hears Samuel, and he runs over, knocks on Eli's door. Eli, those of us who are parents know this experience, you know, if you've ever babysat overnight, um, and he says, did you call me? Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. Samuel comes back. Third time, finally the wicked dude has a little moment of discernment. He goes, maybe this is the Lord. <laughs> we haven't heard from him in a while, you know. <laughs> been, been doing our own thing around here, you know. Maybe it's the Lord. So he tells Samuel, he says, hey, if you hear the voice again, say this prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. He runs back, hears the voice again. Samuel. The, the little, little boy's prayer. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. He says, what I'm about to do. And God gives him this terrifying download. And he wakes up. How'd you like to be at that breakfast table in the morning? Eli's like, so what did he tell you? He's like, uh, I'm not saying, not saying. (laughs) Eli's like, no, give it to me. He's like, give it to me or you're grounded. Samuel's like, all right, you're all going to (laughs) die. This whole thing's going down because you're bad dudes. Thanks for, letting, thanks for letting me have a place to live, but I'll tell you what, like, I'm going to pursue my own calling separate from you guys, you know. The Bible says that God did not let even one of his words fall to the ground. Oh, how powerful is that? How beautiful is that? What does that say? God can raise up young prophets in the midst of a dark hour of human history, whether or not, I mean, okay, there's probably some division in this room over our president-elect right now. We're not going to take a poll because we know polls lie, right? They do not tell the truth. (laughs) But what we know, what we know is that if you're concerned about the state of America right now, I'm telling you that God can raise up Samuels in our midst. If he could do it under the leadership of Eli and his wicked sons, I think he can do it today. He's on the throne. Amen. There are those of us who are here in this room. Um, But I tell you what, in the Bible, there is a spectrum of revelatory experience as it relates to audio. Over here, you have God speaking through a burning bush that is not consumed. Moses, go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. That was pretty awesome, right? (laughs) Like, you cannot deny a burning bush experience. But then on this other hand over here, this, this experience over here, you, have, you don't have the supernatural, spectacular. You have the subtle and the simple, the still, small voice. God, when he doesn't speak in the fire or the earthquake or the storm, the mighty rushing wind, but instead, the still, small voice. You know something? There is a spectrum of experience of hearing the voice of God. And if, you are, if you've believed the lie of the evil one, um, we, we believe the lie of the evil one when we dismiss the still small voice that's not spectacular, that's not doesn't feel supernatural. I didn't get a goosebump when I heard his still small voice. And, and, and instead we're waiting for something spectacular and supernatural and extraordinary. 
But what if God's voice to you is far more natural than you, than you understand? What if God's voice to you means you're like, Eli, you're like young Samuel, where when he speaks, you confuse his voice with another voice that you're more familiar with? Like the voice of your own imagination, your own reasoning. Is that me? Is that my own flesh? It just might be. It might be God shouting to your imagination. Sometimes I think of hearing God's voice as like a sanctified imagination. Because God speaks to us in such intimate way, such natural ways. It's his superimposed over our natural, and it's supernatural. It's his extra over our ordinary, and it's extraordinary. Do you understand this? So there's a spectrum. Do not forsake the simple because you're in pursuit or waiting for the spectacular. Don't dismiss it. What if it's in God's heart to start you out with the simple and graduate you into the spectacular as you hear and obey? To the one who's faithful a little, to that one he entrusts more. It's a way of God. And we'll do, we'll do questions in the next one, okay? So, yes, I, thank you for raising your hand. And if you do have questions, I want to do that in the next session. Bless you guys. <clears throat> what I'd say this, if you're a hearer today, one of the ways you can cultivate spiritual hearing I believe this is, is through the devotional practice of Bible meditation where you take the scriptures, the prophetic word, and you read it, you say it out loud, you write it down, you pray it, you sing it, you relate with it in a multifaceted way. The more you meditate in the word of God and memorize the word of God, the greater capacity you have, I believe, to hear his voice. Why? Because God will not, he will not tell you something today that contradicts something he's written 2,000 years ago. Do you understand that? And so, the more you familiarize yourself with his written word, the more you'll be able to discern his spoken word. More on that to come. But if you are a hearer, the way to grow and position your life for increased hearing is Bible meditation. I used to be big in Bible memory. I'm still big in it today, but I do it by accident today. I do it inadvertently because I focus on meditation, meditating on the word of God and I, I memorize it inadvertently. And now the Holy Spirit, like Jesus said, he can take that, he can, he can remind you of the things I've spoken to you. Now, as I relate with God in the scriptures, I'm building an arsenal, a, a memory bank that the Holy Spirit can take and remind me of the things that God has spoken to me. For the person who does not get in the Bible, that's the person who's not giving anything to the Holy Spirit that he can remind them of later. So you grow in Bible meditation. You position your life to, to hear the voice of God in spontaneous moments as he speaks even through scripture. My friend, missionary, dear friend of mine, she's become a mentor of mine, Ruth Roybal. Um, her husband's name was Julio Roybal. And years ago, these documentaries were produced, not Holy Ghost, not Iqbalo, love you guys, but they were called um, Transformation Videos. And she was featured in the Kali Columbia video because her husband was martyred in Kali Columbia. He was an evangelist, apostolic man. And after he died, revival broke out in Kali Columbia. Well, two weeks before he died, they were in prayer, fasting in prayer um, for revival in Kali. And the Lord gives them a promise from the word. They heard a scripture. The Lord said this word, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. They received this scripture in prayer. And they said, Lord, we don't understand what this means, but we know it's connected to revival and calling. Here's the prayer they pray. God, whatever it takes, we say yes. Whatever it takes for revival to come, we say yes. Two weeks later, he was gunned down and martyred for his faith in Kali, Columbia. And that week, all heaven breaks loose. People are like, I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't want to hear a lot. <laughs> Note to self, if you hear that scripture, watch out. No, just teasing. <laughs> but they heard the word of God. So there's another type of person in the room. There's people who are visual. You see. You're, you're more visual. And again, like we see with the audio or auditorial people, the visual people in this room also have a broad range of experience with revela visual revelation. Some people... Um, at, we'll get that spectacular 3D Dolby surround experience that John has. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and behold a voice 
boom, sounding like a trumpet. And when I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, there was a man of glory, and he describes him, and he says he held the seven uh, golden stars in his hand, and he walked among the seven golden lampstands. Yikes. You know, elsewhere, he falls down as though dead. Ezekiel, Daniel, John, they had these glorious encounters with God. That is available in real. And it's available for today. But on the other end, over here, we we have these these experiences of of more of like a a gentle visual impression in what we would call even our mind's eye or our imagination. And I believe there is room for that full spectrum in receiving revelation from God, visual revelation from God. For me, oftentimes I hear words, and as I receive those words and think about them, then it'll develop into some type of image. And that's how it works for me. Oftentimes I'm not that crazy visual seeing like, you know, uh, oh, there's an angel over there, there's demons over there. I don't, I, I'm not one of those guys. I have friends that operate that way. That I'm not positioned. My life, God hasn't ordered me, thankfully, in that way. I'd be ADD all the time. Like, oh my gosh, down, overload, you know? But as I hear words, God will release pictures and images to me. And some of you guys, like myself, I get lots of dreams at night. Not all of them are of the Lord. Some of them are just because I had onions on my burger the night before. But many of them are from the Lord. And that's how he often works with me. If you get dreams from the Lord and you don't know what God is saying, you're not the only one. Here's what I've learned about visual people. Often they can get, in in their early experiences, intimidated and overwhelmed by the things they're seeing in prayer or in dreams or in visions. And as a result, they just let it go. Because they're so overwhelmed, they don't know what God is saying. They just stop practicing it. And I think that there's a way forward for you, if you're a visual person, to grow in the grace to interpret the things God's saying to you. That'll come in session two. But what I'll say right now is if you're visual, one of the things you can expect, ways you can expect to grow this thing in you, three things. If you're a visual person, here's ways you can grow in visual revelation, at least interpreting what it says. Number one, these are simple, simple points. Number one, community. It's not on the slide. Community. Our interpretation skills mature when we spend time around other people who are pursuing the same things as us. You get around other people who are learning to hear and interpret the voice of God along with you, you're going to grow in that grace like wildfire. Community. Number two, knowledge of the scriptures. If God is a a symbol, God who tends to speak through symbolism like he does in the scriptures, then we got to get familiar with biblical symbolism. Because as you get familiar with biblical symbolism, you're building an interpretive bank in your arsenal where you can understand the things that God is showing to you today. Mentorship is another one. Our gifts are honed when we follow others who are further along than us, and we invite their wisdom into our lives. It's so fun working with young adults and having a training school. You know, I've had so many young people in our ministry who've come and to our ministry because there are two things. I want to grow in the grace to hear God's voice. Number three, I want to become an emboldened witness of the gospel. I want to learn how to preach the gospel. Often those are the two things that they come to us for. And number three, I want to learn how to set people free. Those are the three things, you know. And I have had the opportunity to work with many people who are like seers, people who see revelation from God quite frequently and help them learn to develop interpretive skill sets in their life with God. One of them, I think of one of our gals in Tacoma, who's a product of our school. Her name's uh, Anastasia. Many, many of you guys know, some of you guys know her. She's a great gal, you know. Um, she is now part, uh, serving on our Love 253 team, which is an outreach team that, that uh, does a ton of gospel work in Tacoma. And she was leading a garage sale, free garage sale on the hilltop, which is a very impoverished neighborhood in Tacoma. And we got a bunch of stuff donated, and we just had coffee and donuts and that kind of thing and prayer teams available. So people came for free stuff, and then they got prayed for and Holy Ghost download on them. <laughs> and, uh, and they were then received, given the gospel. And there was a woman who came. She had four children that were with her. 
And um, she tells Anastasia that she runs a daycare. And she says, can I, this is amazing. She's blessed with all this free stuff. She's in tears because, oh my goodness, I've, I've been needing this equipment for, for my daycare here on the hilltop. And Anastasia and the prayer team gathers around. Can we pray with you? Anastasia sees a visual image in her mind's eye of two beams that were positioned together and a third beam that was being placed in its place. She's like, well, Lord, what does that mean? Takes the next step. And she begins to hear the Lord tell her that, um, uh, to, to, to tell the woman, I have the, I have the, the uh, story here. And the Lord says to her this phrase, I will send you helping hands. So Anastasia doesn't know what this means. She shares the image with her. It's two beams and then a third beam being placed. And the Lord's saying, I will send you helping hands. The woman starts to weep. She goes, you don't know this. I run two daycares right now. And I was just offered building and property for a third daycare here on the hilltop. She says, but I, I don't think I have the personnel and the connections to make the right hires who will really care for the kids because her heart is so much to care for kids on the hilltop. She's like, I don't want to just hire anyone. But then God speaks to her through this image of two beams in place and a, a third beam coming. And the Lord says, I will send you helping hands. She's weeping. She says, she says, you have changed the trajectory of my business. And she tells Anastasia, kids on the hilltop are going to be blessed because of this word today. So you cannot dismiss the simple because you're waiting for the spectacular. Because God puts his spectacular on your simple and it, it can change, change the course of a community. So some people in this room are visual and you need to learn how to work that through. Third, there are sensory people in this room. People who feel things. People who feel emotions like we all do, but in a more revelatory manner, which we'll unpack that in a minute, as well as people who feel physical things on their person. So we'll divide those up into both emotions and then um, physical sensations. Physical sensations, we'll start there. I always thought this one was super hokey. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was hokey. Like I'm talking about like preaching the gospel in other nations and leading teams and seeing miracles, but I still felt this one was hokey. The idea that I could feel a sensation of fire or pain or weight on a part of my body that would correspond to someone else's need. And I just, I was embarrassed by that idea, you know. I'm not going to lie. You know, <laughs> and often physical signals are used with the ministry of healing. And how many of you know we believe in physical healing? Divine healing is available for today. God doesn't heal because he's in a good mood. He's, he, he heals today because he's Jehovah Rapha, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's part of his eternal nature. So he, physical signals is often combined with healing ministry. I started to ask the Lord for this. And then some of you guys know the story of uh, Tyler and I were a part of a group that went down to Southern California in 2008. And we got to be in a breakfast meeting with Reinhard Bonnke, the great German evangelist who preaches uh, for a blood-washed Africa, from Cape Town to Cairo, a blood-washed Africa, you know. And he's seen his ministry, almost 80 million people come to the Lord. Kind of a big deal, okay? He's preached the gospel to more people than anyone else in human history. Big deal. You remember, some of you guys probably heard this story. He laid hands on everyone's there for impartation for evangelism. In the meeting, my middle finger started burning. Like, like as though I had stubbed, stubbed it with a hammer, you know? It was burning. And I'm, so, babe, turn to Jenny. My middle finger's burning, you know? But then I'm covering it up because I don't want Reinhardt to think I'm flipping off my wife, you know? My middle finger's burning. She's like, what? Fill it. She's like, oh, my gosh. I stuck it in my ice water and the ice melts. Like, the, like I was like, what the heck? You know? Like, this stuff, this is hokey. Lord, I don't want this. Just give me the still small, like, God, just give me the images so I can look cool, you know? Like, what does this mean? We're praying. I don't know what it means. No one knows what it means. It burned for the next number of weeks, not with the same intensity, but burned every day for most of the day for the next number of weeks. Later that summer, I was preaching the gospel on a platform at the Rialto Theater in downtown Tacoma that we had rented out. 
and invited a bunch of young people. I was preaching the gospel and gave a call for repentance and faith. People come forward, gave a call for healing prayer and miracles. People came forward. As I'm on the stage, my middle finger is burning. And so I, I felt like the Lord was like, go pray for healing for people. I went down to pray with my friend named Rhonda Barker. Her and her husband are YWAMers today in Kona, Hawaii. And she was praying for a young lady that just gave her life to the Lord. And she's praying for her left ear. And Rhonda says she was born with a deaf ear. And I'm like, awesome. Well, here goes nothing. And I stuck my burning bonky finger in that chick's ear right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I don't know, what else do you do? I don't know, I don't know what this means, but it's obviously God, like, or something, or Reinhardt, you know, just, in the name of Jesus, ear be open. Pulled my finger out. <gasps> she goes, I can hear! The first deaf ear I'd ever seen open wasn't in Africa or Cambodia or some faraway land. It was in the United States of America, blocks from my home. The next two months, each one each month, I saw two more deaf ears. People were born with deaf ears open in, the, in Tacoma. Bonky finger. <laughs> and then the, then the heat went away. And the heat went away, you know? And I'm like, come on, Lord, come on. Get to get a jump start on this thing, you know? Like, how do you kickstart this thing again? You know, come on, Lord. I'm in a hut in Cambodia years later among the northern... A northern village among the Khoi people working through two different translators. We're in a hut preaching the gospel to this family. The husband's like, I, I don't, we don't believe in Jesus. We only believe in Buddha and all these other false gods. He's an alcoholic. We're sitting in there. We preach the gospel. There are six of us. So we each got to preach the gospel one time. <laughs> and they kept saying, no, no, no. You know, so that's what you do at camp, buddy. Just hang out in the hut and preach again. Now your turn. Now you preach. Now you give your testimony. They're like, no, I still don't want Jesus. I still don't want Jesus. I still don't want Jesus, you know. And finally, my right ear gets plugged. So I'm thinking, well, when did I got to go swimming? Did I, did I get some water in the ear? Oh, no, Cambodian water. Oh, no, I probably got a worm, you know. I'm thinking all these thoughts. I'm like shaking my head trying to get the water out, the, the hut, the hut is like on stilts and it's moving, you know. Then I had the idea, what if it's a word of knowledge? I'm like, oh no, those are so hokey. I was like, well, we've already preached the gospel six times. I might as well step out in faith. Does anyone here have one deaf ear, your right deaf ear? Two translators later, the man goes, huh? <laughs> he was born with a deaf ear and it was right ear. I'm like, perfect, because my right ear's all clogged up too. That must be a word of God. And plus, I've got a bonky finger. Let's pray for this thing. Come on in Jesus' name. All my students and a team had heard about my bonky fingers. They're like, Lord, release the finger. Lord. <laughs> You've heard about the bird that came down from heaven. What about the birdie? You know, so we stuck, stuck the finger in his ear. In Jesus' name, be healed. He opens, he goes, you know, you don't have to speak coy or come I to know this, what this means. That day, he and his whole family came to the Lord. And my ear opened up with his. So I, I tend to believe in this stuff now, you know. <clears throat> You're like, I don't know if this just feels so hokey. Well, people are like, I just don't want to be weird. Okay, I've got news for you. You're already weird. Think, think about what you believe. You believe that a man died 2,000 years ago and his blood cleanses you. His blood cleanses you. That's weird. Furthermore, you believe that because you've repented of your sin and put your faith in him, that he now lives inside of you. Come on, that's, that's borderline psychotic. Someone else lives inside of you that you're talking with. You understand, you already, you're already weird. So I'm not giving you permission to become extra spiritually mystical and weird in that sense. I'm just saying, hey, come on, man. God uses the foolish things of the world. If you're unwilling to be a fool, you might be shutting out your opportunity to be used by God. So signs for physical healing, but then there are emotions that are God uses for 
like burdens for intercession. In this room right now, there are people who feel things very deeply. You feel pain. You feel anger. You feel um, um, all of a sudden insecurity will hit you. You're like, I've, I've overcome that years ago. Why, why all of a sudden did that get triggered again? Why did I wake up depressed today? I'm not a depressed person. Newsflash, newsflash. It's the Holy Spirit. He's alarming you. And often, even as physical symbols are combined with healing ministry, burdens and emotional feelings are often combined with prayer and intercession. My wife is uh, one who feels. She's one who feels deeply from God. And what you find, those of you who want to cultivate your, your sensory feeling, you have to get, you have to put your feelings under the lordship of God and his truth. And I want to tell you something. If you're a millennial, that feels counterintuitive because you're always used to being led by the, the fickle emotions. And if my Campus Crusade training, Bill Bright training taught me anything, is our life is led foremost by facts. Secondarily, we put our faith in the facts. And thirdly, feelings follow our faith with our put, put into the truth of God's word. It, once you, you've learned to put your feelings under the lordship of Jesus, your feelings get sanctified. Now you have capacity to discern when God is speaking to you through the depths of emotion. I remember coming upstairs the eve of, an, uh, of a high school outreach at Stadium High School where I was, gonna, I was scheduled to preach the gospel to a bunch of youth that would fill an auditorium. And I came upstairs, my wife, I just saw this mountain uh, um, uh, under the pillows, you know. My wife was on her face, on her knees, with her bum in the air and the, pillow, uh, the pillows and the comforter over her. I'm like, honey, what are you doing? And she, opened, she looks up and her mascara is down. She'd been crying. I'm like, oh, it's a burden. Lord, what is it? She says, I've just been praying for the outreach. I said, what's going on? She says, I feel so, I feel so burdened by the Lord. She says, I think I'm supposed to preach the gospel. And at first, I'm kind of like, no, I'm the evangelist. Like, this is my calling, you know? If you knew my wife, you knew how counterintuitive this moment would be for her. She says, I feel like I'm supposed to preach. Well, I, I was, at, though I was just years in a marriage, I was smart enough to know, listen to my wife when she's hearing from God. So we gave Jenny the ball. She got to preach the gospel. First time she ever preached the gospel. And we saw a harvest among Asian American youth, which we had never seen before in our city, all from Muslim backgrounds. And I'll tell you what, it was the boring, most boring message you'd ever heard. She's reading her notes in front of her like this. Bunch of kids got saved. God uses the weak things of the world. Someone says, I don't, lo- don't want to be a fool. Someone says, I don't want to be weak. You're a Christian, you have to get used to being both foolish and weak. Okay, we're going to keep going. There's sensory people in this room. Fourth, there are intuitive people in this room. There are intuitive people in this room. We're making good time. Are we doing all right, friends? Okay, we're making good time. There are people who just know things in this room. You don't know how you knew it. It just came. Like the scriptures says of Jesus, as in early book of Mark, they're lowering the man through the roof, and he says, son, your sins, when he saw their faith in the Bible, he says, son, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees are grumbling among themselves, who does he think he is? Who has authority to forgive sin? The Bible says, Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, says, which is easier to say, son, your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk? He says, but so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, I declare to you right now, take up your mat and walk. And he did. Jesus knew things. Um, There are those in this room, you just get knowledge. Like, boom, it's there. For me, this, this works for me. It comes like ideas. It comes like thoughts. Like, it's just there. And you need to pay attention to that when you're in conversation with people. You know, when you might be receiving the teaching of the word of God and then all of a sudden you feel like you get distracted and boom, knowledge comes. Write that down. When you're in prayer and all of a sudden knowledge comes, write that down. It's follow follow it. Learn to cultivate it. 
I often share this story because I think it's just so fun. Tyler Dressback lived with us a few summers ago, you know, before he got married. And uh, he lived there with us one summer in Tacoma for our school of transformation. And he built friendship with my family. And my daughter, Nina, remember that? You're pushing her on the swing at Wright Park. She's four years old. She sees a young lady across the park who's on crutches. She says out loud, um, that girl's a cheerleader. Tyler's pushing her. He goes, wait, what? She goes, that, that girl's a cheerleader. That's why she's on crutches. She got hurt. He stops the swing, and he's like, he just did the Hearing God Week in Catalyst. And he's like, oh, is she getting a word of knowledge, you know? And he goes, did you want to go over there and talk to her and tell her what God is saying to you? Nina's like, no, just push me on the swing, you know? <laughs> Tyler's like, okay, you know? And another Taylor U grad, Josh Wolf, had prayed with her and met, met the young lady on crutches. So we're all convening at the van later that afternoon. We're like, hey, Josh, what was going on? He's like, oh, I was just sharing the gospel with her, praying for her. He goes, yeah, she's a cheerleader at Stadium High School. She fell out of a stunt. That's how she hurt her ankle. Tyler and I look at Nina like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> Four years old. Four years old. She's eight now, you know? And she still gets knowledge like that today. She still, I'll never forget praying with my little Ellie. She's three years old on my lap before she's going to bed. Honey, let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us what to pray for. She goes, okay, Daddy. Holy Spirit, would you show us who to pray for today? What to pray for? She, Ellie closes her eyes. A minute later, she goes, um, Spencer. Spencer was one of our Catalyst alumni from Arizona. And I knew, I knew what had just happened. Ellie didn't. That day, Spencer got his heart broken. His girlfriend just broke up with him. They're both godly people. Spencer just believed, though, that this might be his wife. He's crushed. What Ellie didn't know is he just got dumped. Furthermore, he chose to pack up his car and start driving down I-5 to move home, unannounced. He texted us later that day, I left Tacoma. Ellie didn't know any of this. She goes, what do we, Holy Spirit, how do we pray? Ellie goes, Spencer. I'm like, oh. I was like, why do, we, why do we need to pray for Spencer, Lord? She goes, well, uh, it's because his heart is hurting right now. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> my three-year-old hearing from God, this is so holy, this is amazing. And then we prayed. See, there are people in this room who you just get things from God. Boom, ideas come. And if you have the faith of a child, you write it down. You'll embrace it. You'll listen. You'll pay attention. So there's audio people who hear, visual people who see, sensory people who feel, intuitive people who know. And we're all in this journey of learning the creative ways that God likes to speak to us. In fact, as the scripture says, and as we wrap up here before we pray, is that in 1 Corinthians 4, 12, 4 to 6, there are varieties of gifts, a variety of graces, but the same spirit. There's a variety of services or ministries, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, workings, or operations. But it's the same God who empowers them all and in everyone. That means that the same way that Nicholas receives revelation from God, a word of knowledge, might be vastly different than the way Gloria receives a word of knowledge. The way Rebecca receives a word of wisdom is going to be different than the way Terry receives it. A variety of graces, a variety of ways it works. And the, uh, the way Scott might share a message with someone or minister God's word to someone is going to be different than the way Angela might be inclined to do it. See, God is so great that he, 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 and he's so creative that he likes to speak to each one of us through unique and specific ways. This is a beautiful, beautiful um, training field for cultivating intimacy with God. And those of us who journey in the Lord longer, sometimes he changes it up on you. And you're like, I'm not hearing God the same way I used to anymore. And he's like, good. I want to keep you on your toes. I don't want you to treat me like a robot because it's about relationship. So he's like, so I'm going to move so that you move with me. And you learn a new, a new way of connecting with me. And then another season, he says, I'm going to move again. Oh, you're not feeling me over there? You think your world's falling apart? You think I left you? No, I just moved. Just keep up with me. Keep in step, the New Testament says, with the Holy Spirit. 
So there are seasons of life where God will change, change, change the way he, he's, he connects with you. Why? Because he wants to keep uh, relationship priority over mechanics. And you have to follow him and you have to find him. Isn't this a joy? This hide and seek game with the Holy Spirit, you know? He's a God who hides himself, but then he calls us kings because it's a glory of a king to search him out. This is a beautiful call that we've received. Aren't you glad that you're a sheep? Say amen, someone. And so it's a good day. God wants to give you supernatural advantage. He wants to give you supernatural advantage as you grow in the grace to hear his voice. We're going to do something right now where we're going to pray. Journals open or phones note open. And we're going to listen to the voice of God each individually. Does that sound good? So teaching, done. Actually, we're just going from lecture to application and activity right now.